Time for rolling. The right targets. That is one trade. T Tigers is still pretty healthy. Tries to jump in. He finds one. This is a big turnaround for Liberation X. They might get the third. They might find an ace here onto Lost Boy Top. Surrey Strike is not oh. enough. Godwin goes down. He might go for Donna Twips. He's got to get one. He's got to get two. Lost Boy oh, Top. Lost Boy Top. He does it. He gets the two versus one turnaround under the turret. He lives two. Welcome to Time for Rolling Esports, the weekly podcast that brings you Vainglory Esports. From predictions to recaps and analysis, we present to you the best in professional Vainglory. Now, here's your hosts, Inglis and Krutzloth. It's Time for Rolling Hey, what's going on, guys? Endless here. Uh, on this episode, we are doing a little bit of preview slash how 2.8 has been going so far, looking into autumn season. And then we will be also doing some predictions for autumn season. It is important to remember that these predictions will just be based off of, you know, summer rosters, a few things that have been announced. Things are still uh, maybe changed by the time the tournament does start. I'm joined, as always, by Crude Sloth. What's up, man? How's it going? Pretty good. And then we have our new co-host, uh, the ever-knowledgeable Belligerent. How's it going? It's going pretty well. Glad to be here. And then lastly, we'll be joined with Denominé, and he'll be going through his time in L.A. and also doing some of his own predictions for the autumn season. So let's get into this. All right, so first, let's start with EU. Uh, I know Crude and I kind of just put names in a hat and then drew randomly. Think uh, belligerent's picks maybe more based on things that make sense. So, I'll start with my top eight. This is kind of what we think will be top eight going into autumn. Um, my number one is Fnatic. My number two is G two. My number three would be SK. Number four is Mouse Sports. Number five is Dynasty. Number six is Calamity. Number seven is Clash. Number eight is Salty Potatoes. Crude. All right, so my number one is SK. Number two would be Fnatic. Number three would be G2. Number four would be Calamity. Number five would be Mouse Sports. Number six would be Dynasty. Seven would be Clash slash whoever they changed their name to since they always changed their name. And then eight would be Salty. <laughs> I don't think they're changing their name anymore. I think they've stopped doing that. Let's hope. Give, give it a week, man. It'll change, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, all right, so you guys wrote that down. I didn't, so let me let me pull these up. <laughs> um, I'm gonna put Fnatic number one, um, SK two. I think G two is gonna make a comeback, but not quite this high. So I'm gonna put Mouse at three, then G two at four. Uh, Calamity probably five. It's always question for me, at least what I've seen. A Leon team is always a little questionable because you never know how they're going to get along yeah um and then we'll go dynasty clash and salty potatoes so between obviously sk and Fnatic, they finished i think one point apart last 
Yep. Last yeah. week, I believe. And it actually came down to the last match, I believe, they faced themselves in that last week. Or faced each other. And then we have kind of G2, which we may be seeing a comeback. They said they had just some rough splits with studies and traveling type stuff. And then Mouse Sports, which just got tricky, picked up from Dynasty. So we kind of see Mouse Sports back on this original team, which is I'm the Doom, Tricky, uh, and Just Man. So uh, we saw them have a pretty good start to the summer last uh, split or last season, I guess. Uh, it'll be interesting to see for sure. Calamity, like you said, has always been kind of questionable, especially with if they do perform well, is Leon even going to be able to travel to live finals? So why would we even want them to be a top team if they're not going to be able to travel? But yeah, EU has always been you know, entertaining. One week, SK wins. The next week, Clash wins. So who knows what will happen. Yeah. Uh, but are you most confident with Fnatic then, Belligerent? Uh, I am most confident with Fnatic's potential. Uh, they've had a couple of seasons to work on that potential. I don't know if they're finally going to realize it, but when they pulled on uh, Kigaza as their coach, they seemed to, to pick it up a little bit. So I'm thinking that with a you know with some more time under his belt in that coaching spot, uh, that he'll help them get it rounded out. And also one thing to keep in mind that you said about Calamity is there is no live event for the autumn season. No, there's not. So, no, it's uh, basically the the teams with the most points that have not already qualified, which in the case right now is only Cloud9. <laughs> uh, so, so the team in EU and the team in NA, not named Cloud9, who finished with the highest number of points, get the spots at Worlds. See, so, this is why we have belligerent, because we were not aware of this. <laughs> see, that, that can change everything, because now TSM basically needs to get top spot to... Well, there is the wild card still open, right? There's actually two wild cards. Okay. Um, there's the global wild card that's always there. And then because Cloud9 repeated as the champion, uh, there's now another. Um, technically, it's another global wild card, but we've been told that uh, SEMC will generally try and keep it in the same region that the winner came out of. So mm. in this case, you will probably see that filled by an A team. Uh, if for some reason this season TSM doesn't finish first, I would expect it to go to them, but you never know. He did say for some reason, people. So uh, TSM, he has maybe a little bit of faith in them. Uh, we do have some history. TSM has never lost or never not gotten first place, correct? In, in like VG8. I don't know about the Evil 8. I'm just talking the past two seasons. Correct, correct. First place the last two seasons. So. All right, so then let's go ahead and move over to our NA picks. I mean, I would like to say these are better than just pulling random names out of a hat, but I, I'm not going to go that far and say that. Uh, still kind of random. Top four. I say top four I'm confident with. Those will be in that, not necessarily in that order, but those four teams will be top four. Uh, for me, I have Immortals at number one. Uh, now that I kind of know that there's a huge, you have to get number one bases and there's no live, uh, that'll be interesting to see how that plays. Cloud9, uh, I have them at number, well, I guess, sorry, TSM's number two for me. And then Cloud9, I have at number three. I just think, I think Cloud9 will probably take it easy like they did kind of in summer. Gabe Vizzle did mention that. They didn't want to wear themselves out. Uh, they've qualified for Worlds. There's really... There's not a huge motivation in this split for them. Uh, so I have Cloud9 at 3. I have Nova at 4. 
Uh, I can talk about Nova again a little later. Hammers at five, Rogue at six, Yank Stars at seven, Tempo Storm at eight. And this is without looking at challenger teams, uh, about which if a challenger team can even sneak in there. So how's challengers working then this season since there's really no live? Is it after the first it, split they can there there'll be a challenge battle? As far as I know, after the first split there'll always be challenge battles. I don't know exactly how they're doing the second split this time around. Um I I there very could be challenge battles at the end of the second split as well, since they don't have to worry about kind of the the weird situation they got into in London where you had teams competing in the championship that were no longer in the PGA because they had just lost the challenge battles. Yeah. Uh, which is why I think they, they switched it for the summer season. But since they don't have that concern, they might open up that split two challenger battle spot. But I don't know that yet, so I can't confirm anything. All right. Well, Crude, you go ahead and give your top eight. All right, so this is the more realistic top eight, considering I am better at picking, you know, wins and losses. Just um, because you won fantasy, our quote-unquote fantasy last year, as in win rate of picks, does not mean you're the better picker. Whatever. I mean, yeah, defend yourself if you want. It's fine. Uh, C9, number one for me. Uh, Immortals is going to be number two. Just, I'm kind of curious to see how uh, Zio does with his live buff, see if he can continue that not being on a live stage because he was very good at lives. Uh, TSM's number three. I got Nova at four. Hammers at five. I got Gangstars at six. I got Tempo at seven. And I got Rogue at eighth place. And so we got belligerent picking, but obviously with him being, you know, the coach of Nova, we're just kind of doing like a one through seven for him. We're leaving out the Nova. We're not, you know, I mean, obviously he's going to put Nova at number one. So, little bit of bias but if you want to kind of break down what you have other than your nova team yeah so i guess my uh one through seven um i'm going to put tsm at number one uh i'm not sure what's happening with their roster yet but chances are the flash isn't going to be there i mean they said they were looking for a captain but i still think best chuck and von c um pull that through the same way they have. And even if Flash isn't there as captain, he'll still be there as coach, I'm sure. Um, I just, I don't know that, that because Immortals always, and Zio always, I mean, they've been performing very well in the VG8, but if you look at the last season, or the last week of the VG8, they got owned by TSM, which is why I was surprised they did so well against them in LA. But I just think that with, when you have a younger team like that, um, the online thing makes it a little harder for them to focus. We suffer from some of that with Nova. Um, so I'm still going to put TSM at top. Uh, I will still put C9 at second. I know these are really original picks, but until somebody proves otherwise. Right. Um, I just got to kind of stick with what works, right? I will put Immortals uh, after C9 there at third. I'm going to put Hammers at fourth. I think I'm copying a lot of what I mean, it's kind of the, the same top ones anyway. Yeah. So Hammers will be yeah. at fourth. I'm going to say Tempo is fifth. I think you both have Tempo rated too low, in my opinion. Uh, tempo, Rogue, and then Gangstars. So the Gangstars team is something that's interesting uh, looking at Gangstars. The roster for Gangstars, as of right now, maybe 
nothing's official, but you know, Mac Daddy, uh, Lulu, if I pronounce it right, and then Lulu Zoo, I think is Lulu how you say Zoo, it. yeah, and then yeah. Uh, Xenotech. So we've seen some action from Mac Daddy, also Xenotech in the jungle, a new laner with Iraqi stepping down. Uh, is this going to be just a synergy for you? Communication, gangsters have to figure that out first before they can become a top team. Well. Like, I mean, we saw them perform in Vispro, and they dominated the really, really low seed, and then they got beat, I think, in the second round. And I was talking to Zeno in L.A., and the communicate. Apparently, Lulu doesn't speak English or doesn't speak it very well. So their communication is going to be really tough. Um, and I just, you know, hey, if you take Xenotech off of that roster, does anybody really know those players other than Mac Daddy because he showed up there? season so i almost feel like gangstars is i mean everybody's on contracts right now so it's really hard to rebuild but they're i feel a little like they're starting that rebuild process where they're just fielding a team hoping to stay out of challengers and waiting for you know people's contracts to end so they can start trying to rebuild right so i don't have a, a lot i mean i have a ton of faith in xeno but i don't you know, without a, a cast around him, I don't, I don't have a lot of faith in that, especially knowing that there's some kind of communication issue, like legit, not like, I mean, like Nova, our guy, our communicate, we have major communication issues, especially when we're playing online, but that's not because of a language yeah. barrier. Gangstars has a language barrier. And so I, I don't have faith in that until they prove otherwise. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, and Tempo has managed to stay out of challenge battles for two seasons now. So I got to put Tempo over Gangstars and Rogue. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Hammers is another team I kind of want to talk about is uh, Chicken's back on the roster. Chicken was someone that started, you know, impressing me a lot when he was on that team. Um, you know, he played Lance really well. You know, he was just a really, not, I mean, a pretty top-tier captain. And then he was joined with Status from Tribe. So... I mean, that's a pretty big uh, addition to that team. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about Hammers. I know they were, I guess, starting was a person that would kind of, you know, put the team on his back and carry them. So uh, did you have Hammers at fifth? Were you right there with us at Hem- there at number five? Uh, yeah. yeah. Hammers, Tempo, Rogue, GS. So you think Chicken being back in status addition, will that make, I mean, Archaic, is, is he just gone then? I believe Archaic is a free agent right now. Okay. Huh. So you think Chicken can be his top tier captain? No. No. Okay. I think I mean Chicken has had flashes, but I think Chicken is I think he's one of those captains that is he's good. He is what's the word that I'm looking for? He's he's I don't know. He's, he's good enough to, to be placed on or I can't – there's a word I'm looking for that I can't find, but he's good enough to be placed on a roster, but I think you can probably swap him out with any captain in the league and get similar results. You know, he's not he's not a Gabe Vizzle. He's not an Evol where they're, like, game-changing captains. Based right? on, like, his um, teammates to help him out. Like, I mean, having – starting all over and set, as you're saying that you could swap in any other – uh, yeah, captain. I mean, he's, he's yeah. probably going to hit his fountains about at the right time. He's 
will probably hit an average number of crucible blocks, but I, I don't see him as a captain, the type of captain that is like with Gabe Vizzle and nobody is Gabe Vizzle. I get that, but like with Gabe, he's game changing, right? Yeah. Like you can't, you can't draft a comp that is reliant on crowd control. Cause you know, he's just going to block it. Right. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, even you could even say Max Green at lives. Like Max had some phenomenal captain plays that just carried immortals in certain spots of the game. I don't see, I see chicken as being that stable support that can, you know, function at this VG8 level, but I don't see him as game changing support. And there and to to be fair, there aren't many game changing captains in the league right now, especially right. especially with Wrecked still being a free agent. So um that's kinda and I've uh, there was a reason Chicken left hammers before. Hopefully they've gotten past that. I don't know what the reason was, but I don't see you you know letting the guy go and then having him come but there's got to be something there some reason that they left so i don't know if there was personality clashes if it was just about money i don't know what the issue was but there's gonna there is something i just have to assume there's something there that that team is going to have to get past that might hold them back a little bit so that's pretty much it for major roster changes. Like I said, that still is not necessarily completely locked. Most of the starters are probably locked in. Uh, there may be more announcements here uh, soon. But let's see, anything else we have for previewing the actual autumn season? Obviously, Crude and I just learned there's no lives. You know, that's just small information that's important, people. Uh, that you get all the small <laughs> facts here on this podcast. But now let's go ahead and jump into this interview. Time for rolling. All right, we are joined now with Denomine. How's it going, man? I'm doing A-OK. How are you guys doing today? Uh, we're doing pretty Fantastic. good. That is my co-host, Crude Sloth. Uh, we are doing a hey, short hello. interview with Denomine about his time over in LA casting and other casting questions in general. But first, let's go ahead and kick off some community questions, uh, a little bit of warm-up here. We'll start with our first one from uh, Typec. Let's go with pancakes or waffles. Which do you prefer? I think, I think when it comes to breakfast food, especially breakfast food that is very similar like that, it really just depends on the day. There's so much that you can do with uh, either pancakes or waffles. Uh, you know, you can, you can obviously do syrup on either. You can do butter on either, but you start getting there with the strawberries and the blueberries. Uh, peanut butter is pretty good on waffles, so... Uh, it really just kind of depends on the day for me there. But what about chocolate chip and pancakes? I mean, come on. I mean, what about chocolate chip and waffles? (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) I can't argue that. All right. So moving on to our next question. What is your, uh, your favorite foreign phrase? And that is from Dracon Mythic in our uh, guild. Uh, I I think, 
I think I have to go very cliche and simple with seize the day. Uh, I've always been one to uh, try to not let the past reflect what you're going to do uh, in the present. So I definitely think it's uh, it's got to be that one. And it's it's all about just taking every day as a different opportunity and using it to its fullest. Okay. All right. So the last one, when it comes to maybe playing Banglory in general, who would you say, if you want to answer this, who would you say is the most boosted out of the casting crew when it comes to playing the game? When it comes to playing the game, I think... I think I gotta I gotta go with my European casters. I gotta I gotta show some <laughs> NA pride here. I gotta show some yeah. NA pride and think if it came down to an NA casters versus an EU casters, uh, it, NA would be on top. That that's a match we can possibly organize someday. <laughs> I mean, you put Dowsy in the lane with some CP Idris. He's he, I've seen a lot of his stream. He's pretty strong. Boom, ban CP Idris. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Problem solved. You do get fans. <laughs> no, uh, overall, though, all really good players. I love working with them all the time. Uh, Dowsy's actually one of my favorites, but uh, I, I got to stick with NA here. I just have to. Absolutely. All right, so that kind of just, just a couple warm-up questions. So we're going to go ahead and dive into uh, some more of, like, how you got into Vanglory and stuff like that. Um, you know, what, what brought you on to Vanglory? How did you get into it, I guess? We'll start there. Well, actually, uh, I, I played a lot of Call of Duty and Battlefield when I was younger. Uh, First-person shooters were really what I was good at. And uh, they started introducing a lot of uh, flight, like jetpack mechanics and stuff like that, that I really just didn't enjoy. Um, I, was, I was always a search-and-destroy player, so like being quiet was, was really the way to go. And uh, obviously, with the introduction of jetpacks, that was no longer a thing. Um, <laughs> So uh, I was playing Call of Duty with my friend Indy, and he told me about this game. At the time, it was called Kindred, and it was only available in SEA. And uh, the dev stream was actually Zekent sitting in his kitchen or living room or wherever he was at the time. And, uh, you know, it would just be casting and just sitting there, you know, explaining the game as he was playing it. And, uh, you know, it was super small. The hero pool was um, pretty substantially smaller. But, uh, you know, I thought it was cool. It was interesting. I'd never played a MOBA before. It was something I could do on my phone or, well, I had thought. And, uh, you know, closer to the time we started to expand a little bit in as far as worldwide goes, or, well, that SEMC started to expand, they ended up changing the name to Vainglory. And um, eventually when it did come out in North America, I actually couldn't play it on the device I had. I, I had an iPhone 3GS at the time. And uh, I ended up upgrading to a 5S, which I think the 6 was just getting ready to come out. But uh, I upgraded to the 5S and played Vainglory for a year and a half on my 5S. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been following Vainglory since its very, very, very early alpha testing days. So uh just just worked out with the right timing call of duty ruined themselves and there was vainglory so <laughs> i agree i mean back in those alpha days that was more of you had mentioned i think earlier like before we started the podcast like you could join a game and you know you couldn't even lock in a hero they kind of just picked a hero for you 
Yeah, yeah, it would randomly pick a hero for you, and it was quite often, um, you know, they were starting to expand the regions, and it would be devs jumping around to different regions trying to play with people. And uh, when when you would lock in to a game, it was all about just luck of the draw, but it wasn't like Battle Royale is now, where it's like, you know, still a maximum of one hero in a game. You could literally lock in and have three Catherines on your team, which was super hysterical. Uh, again, the hero pool was substantially smaller at that time. I mean, I, that was even before Taka, before Jewel, before Scarf. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, you could get three Saws on a team, three Catherines, two Catherines and a Saw. Uh, Adagio was pretty strong then. Pedal was really strong then. Oh, yeah, Pedal was crazy OP. Uh, yeah, Pedal, I think, during Alpha was pretty strong. Maybe not Alpha, but I remember a time where you could just play, like, a Breaking when, Point. When she came out, when she came out, yeah, Breaking Point was the way to go on lane Pedal, so. <laughs> yeah, that's all, right. all Endless ever played was that Pedal. Yeah, that's that's true. A couple fountains, you could stack <laughs> You could stack fountains on top of each other and just get a Breaking Point. That was all the way up until one point, like, six or seven or something. Yeah, that's true. You could just stack fountains. All right. So, do you have any? Do you have a good story for how you came with your IGN, or what's the story behind your your names? All of so my IGN has actually changed since I came to Vainglory from Call of Duty, um, or or very shortly before the transition. So, uh, all of my gamer tags have always been um, either Greek or Latin mythology related. Uh, this particular one is part of the phrase in de, in de nomine, which is in God's name. So I just kind of took the in off because it didn't really didn't really look too uh, too crisp in a, in a gamer tag. And that's where we are now. All right. So let's go ahead and transition over to casting then and start talking about how you started casting. When did you be first become interested in it? How did this thing become like a reality that, you know, this is something that you could you know possibly be good at and actually, you know, actually do? One of like the initial thoughts for me is uh, it was kind of easy to say. Now, let me rephrase that because casting is not quite as easy as you would think it is. <laughs> um, the kind of analyst side of things was always natural to me just because that's something that I've always been good at. Um, math, science, stuff like that. Something that always has a for sure answer. Um, I guess science doesn't always, not eventually you discover it, but, um, so I've just always been really good with numbers. So when I was first playing the game and picking it up, like I said, I've been around since the beginning. So I've been able to learn the heroes individually as we've gone on the items and the changes that have come since, you know, 1.0 to well, we're on 2.28 now. So uh, I had a lot of time with the game where I was able to learn it very in depth. And so I was always like kind of able, I guess, to break down the fights and, you know, understand what happened in a fight. But specifically, I need to give some credit over to Forecourt Jester, who uh, at the time there was a lot of criticism about a bunch of the casters, um, you know, whether the, you know, whether their knowledge was there or if they were too harsh on players or anything like that. And uh, Forecourt actually put out a tweet uh, that if you think casting is easy, then get up here and try it yourself. And that was kind of the real uh, moment where I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot and see what it's all about. And so uh, I did a self-recording over, a, I think it was a VGA or a Vis League game, and just kind of 
did it by myself. My first application actually did get declined. Um, and then I reached out to Dragonborn, who runs uh, this league, this pro. Um, and, you know, mentioned to him, hey, you know, I kind of want to get into casting. Is there anywhere you can fit me in? Is there any way I can get some practice with you guys? So on and so forth. Um, and he kind of brought me in. I did some moderator work for a little bit. Didn't actually cast right away. But then eventually, uh, you know, it came a time when he needed a caster and they put me in. And it was a little sloppy the first couple times I cast it. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It is a lot more difficult than you think it is. Um, there's actually a lot of things that you might sit here and record yourself doing and not even realize you're doing it. And, uh, that's, that's really one of the, the difficult things, but overall, um, you know, it was just something that it, it just interested me. It was something I'd thought about and then never acted on. And like I said, uh, Forecourt tweeted out, you know, Hey, if you think casting is easy, come give it a try. So, uh, I reached out and put my, put my hands out there and, uh, eventually got a shot and have done my best to get better at it. Right. So how would, I mean, for any of our listeners that, you know, like have always like wanted to try to get into casting or learn more about it, how would you suggest that one starts like practicing casting? If, if you know, if they want to get into uh, the basics of casting, how would you suggest to start practicing it? I, I kind of briefly touched on it earlier that uh, casting a game by yourself is a really horrible way to go about it. Um, the reason being is there's a very heavy need for both a play-by-play caster and a color caster um not only specifically for having someone that's going to build the hype and then someone who's going to break down everything that happened after a fight and so on and so forth why a rotation was good um but it's also it's it's much easier to focus on one side or the other if you're sitting there talking the whole game it's very hard to do both sides so if you do have any interest in casting the first thing you want to do before you even apply before you reach out to any tournaments and ask if if you can get a shot on it is get a friend look over a v, uh, vg8 game and just put it on mute you'll both sit there you know sync up at the right time and then just do a test cast with you and your partner record it and then watch it back and listen to how you guys performed even if it's not somebody even if you're not working with somebody who wants to do casting or has any interest in casting, if you can just get a friend to reach out with you for, you know, one or two games and let you try both the play-by-play side and the color casting side, you know, if um, if you're a very hypey person, then you're going to want to be more on that storyteller, play-by-play, uh, build up the excitement right before it happens, carry it through the fight. Um, then that's what you're going to want to do. If you're more knowledgeable about the game and maybe not so hypey like I am, then you want to, you know, try practicing on that color side. That's going to be, you know, the the actual physics of what happened in the game. You know, what happened in this fight? Did an Atlas Pauldron land? Did a Crucible from a from a Captain block a well timed Atlas Pauldron? Things of that nature, and then switch. And that was one of the biggest things that helped me is. I have, you know, stuck to color casting for the most part, and I kind of slowly improved. But then I got an opportunity to cast play-by-play as well, and it gave me a much better idea of what a play-by-play caster needs to expect from the color caster. Um, so yeah, just try it on your own with a friend. Um, you know, record it, see what see what you sound like, compare it to. Um, you know, maybe like a Dowsey and a Scoundrel, they're a really good duo. And I think anybody that wants to get into casting can learn a lot from those guys. 
uh, as well as Humanist is um, Humanist is absolutely amazing to work with. So uh, you can kind of compare what things they do and what you've done with your recording and and go from there. But definitely don't do a cast by yourself. I I vote against that 100%. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when you look at even like Humanist and Dowsy, they both do the play-by-play, correct? That is correct. Yeah, so like, I mean, they even have like, you know, they have their own styles. Like Humanist, while he is an amazing, you know, when it comes to you know, talking fast, getting out every ability, everything that's happening. Like, but when something exciting happens, while Dowsy does a good job of being hyped too, Humanist is just like screaming and starts sounding and like sounding weird and just says crazy things. So, you know, that'd be another thing probably, I obviously I don't have experience, but you know, finding something that maybe can separate yourself from everyone else, having your own little style can be important as well, I guess. Yeah, and Dowsy is his own level of amazing. I got a chance to cast with both him and Humanist at the uh, Unified Finals for summer. Let me tell you, Dowsy is a riot. He is a blast to cast in person with. He's, you know, when he gets hype, he's up, he's jumping around, he's got his body moving, he's always energetic. And uh, it was it was an absolutely awesome experience. I guess, how was LA? I mean, it was your first live event. Uh, was there any butterflies, you know, doing your first live event compared to sitting at, you know, your house or wherever you record with like Visley going to the championships? It had to be a whole different feeling. How was it? It was, it was definitely a little different. I kind of just touched base on it that it was a super different experience to be right with my caster. You know, the hype level coming out of Humanist and right. Dowsy was absolutely huge, which makes a color caster's job so much easier. So, uh, Fortunately for me, I actually, um, I used to do culinary arts when I was younger and I actually competed there. So that was kind of of a similar size as far as like an audience goes. Um, obviously I was competing at that point, not doing like announcing or anything, but I, I kind of had some comfort in being in front of an audience at that point, as well as, uh, I actually played in the Little League World Series back in 2007, and that was a substantially larger audience. <laughs> wow. And yeah. um, so I, I don't think I as much had nerves going into it as much as um, it was it was kind of hard to contain the excitement at first. You know, I was there a bit early, so I got to enjoy some of the vacation uh, before we actually had to do anything, you know, before media day, before her day. So I did get some kind of adjustment time there, which was nice because I'm from Michigan. So going to California, my day was then set three hours back. It gave me some adjusting yeah. time. Um, you know, I was there when they were setting up the stage, they were setting up the lights, you know, I got to meet all these awesome people that I've known for so long, uh, you know, Playoff Beard, Dowsy, Humanist, you know, um, Exceptions, you know, I met all of these people and I was super excited. Um, so I think going into my first cast, I was, I was more or less worried about being too excited as opposed to being nervous. <laughs> um, yeah kind of a similar feeling but it was a little different I, again i'm used to being in front of a crowd so it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't too terrible um you know again i, I think i definitely you know as the first cast with those i think it was i think my first cast with thousand i gotta i'd have to remember um but you know as we got a couple minutes into the cast you know the um you know the super hypiness i kind of brought it down to the right level and and uh it turned out well i had i had a blast all right, so this question is just popping into my head. I'm curious. When you guys are actually casting, are you guys looking at an iPad? Like, what are you guys looking at? Are you looking at the big screen? Are you just following what everyone else is following? Or do you get to, like, look around as, yourself? As far, 
as far as at the the live lives event, the lives yeah let's go with the at, lives. at the live event um we were up in the balcony to the left of the stage um and for the most part we actually had our back to the stage and to the audience and they had a really really crisp flat screen for us to look at and okay. uh you know, it was it was nice and big. It made it a lot easier to uh, see some of those actives. So, I mean, um, I actually, like I was mentioning earlier, I, I used to play on an iPhone 5S, uh, very very small device. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was definitely a lot easier in that kind of situation um, where when a lot of the particle effects are bigger, like the Atlas pauldrons. A lot of people sometimes will miss the Atlas pauldrons when you're watching it on a nice you know, crystal clean, big screen, and it's right in front of you. Uh, it was, you know, that was something super nice, as well as when you're casting at home and you're casting on your own device, you are kind of, uh, obviously, you're more free to move around on your own. And that has its its ups and downs. So um, when we were at the event, we mostly just stuck to watching whatever the cameraman was recording because then we always made sure we were talking about something that you could physically see. Yeah. Now, obviously, you still have the map. You can see the rotations. You know when someone has invaded the jungle, even if we haven't seen it. So we can still base off that. And again, the size makes that uh, pretty easy to do. Um, but it does make it easier to focus for when you're building up into the fights and when you're bringing down from the fights, you know exactly what the audience is seeing. So it was that was probably the most different thing to me about casting from home versus live, because sometimes when I'm casting from home, you know, I might call out a rotation that maybe the stream didn't see that it was an important rotation. But because there was a fight breaking out in the lane, they were focusing in the lane, you know, so it's it, it's a lot cleaner of an experience doing it in person. Um, oh, yeah. Because everybody's everybody's right on the same page. You know what the audience can see. You know what you're seeing, and that just makes it a lot easier to focus on on what's going on. Yeah, that's that's a great answer. So I know you had talked about like you know you saw you saw playoff beard and you got to meet some of the other casters. I think you know personally for the first time. Was there a favorite you know maybe um, player from one of the teams that you've been wanting to meet for a while, um, or? Was there anyone else that you were just like, when you got there, you're like, oh, I got to try to be able to talk to this person because I've never met them before and I'm really excited. I think the key word in that sentence is try to talk to. <laughs> right. So uh, I, I kept pretty busy during the whole event. There were a couple down periods where I'd get some time to sit um, more specifically as the weekend went on. So obviously I casted Friday and then was free on Saturday and Sunday. Um I did try my best to make sure my other casters had cold waters and stuff available to them while they were casting. So nice. uh, periodically I'd be running around. Um, so I didn't get a whole lot of time with any like individual people. Um, we did have an after party on Sunday. That was exciting. We got to meet a bunch of people. Nobody was working at that point. So that was fun. But I think the one person that stood out to me that I really wish I would have had more time to talk to is, um, it's got to be Xenotech. So I've I've been following Zeno since he really started playing Vainglory. Uh, he was doing a test stream where he was trying to get his audio fixed, and you know I just jumped in the stream. I was I think I was at work at the time, but we were super slow. So I jumped into his stream, gave him a follow, tried to maybe give some ideas on uh, what could be going on with the audio. I don't. I honestly don't know how helpful it was at the time. <laughs> um, you know, I'd kind of casted here and there, but you know. I'd, 
So uh, I've known Zeno for a long time. I really, really wish I would have had more time to actually chat when we were there. Um, I think he was only there for part of one day, though. And then obviously, um, like I said, you know, a lot of the event, I was running around trying to do stuff, helping organize teams, um, like I said, getting cold water for the other casters, you know, things of that nature. So I was never really sitting still for too long. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting Zeno again and hopefully having some more time to chat. So maybe uh, maybe Worlds or maybe spring of 2018. Not sure yet. We'll just have to see what happens. So basically what you're saying is you had to go there and work. You didn't get to just go and play. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I still had some <laughs> downtime because I only casted Friday. Um, right. But I tried to make sure I was still as helpful as possible. I did get to hang out with uh, Hot Sauce from Immortals quite a bit. I sat there and watched uh, watched their games with him. Uh, I got to meet Belligerent and, um, oh man, how did you pronounce his name? Um, Eaton, Eaton Ozma, who is uh, one of the marketing people from Nova. Um, so they were super cool. So I watched the Nova games with them. Uh, Ian from Cloud9, super cool guy. Got to talk to him for a bit. But I, I spent a lot of time around the stage trying to make sure if literally anybody needed help, I could I could do anything to help out, right. really. I think I think what SCMC is messing up here is that you should be like their personal chef. I feel like that would be amazing job there. You could just cook for them and you could just be in the back just cooking up some food for people. Uh, they actually, I think, I don't remember who organized it. I want to say it was probably the Twitch hospitality group. Um, but they made sure we had food every day. They had, you know, catering come in. I think we had, um, there was pizza one day. There was like build your own sandwiches another day. There was, um, it looked like ingredients for tacos. I actually didn't eat that day. I went and got some other stuff. I just kind of walked by and, and happened to see they had food down there. Um, I think I had umami burger or something like that, but it was overall pretty good. Uh, it was right next to the venue. So, I mean, it was, it was close, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, overall it was a good time. Twitch took pretty good care of us. Uh, ESL, they were super awesome to work with. Uh, obviously all the people at SCMC are, are, you know, pretty big in the community. You know, you might be sitting in a, in a stream and a couple devs might come through, hang out, just chat with people. And that's, that's how it was at the event too. I mean, any, any chance, uh, any of the developers got a chance to just talk to people. I mean, if if they had a chance, they were asking the community questions. You know, what what do you think we need to do better? You know, do you have any ideas? You know, th things of that nature. And that's something that SCMC has always been really good about is their involvement with the community. I've I've played a bunch of games before in the past, and uh, as far as developers, it is it is super nice to actually see developers that care about their game now there's you can't always please everybody everything's yeah. never going to be perfect you're always going to have things to work on but yep. they uh they put their blood and sweat into making sure it's as close to perfect as it can be yeah so let's go ahead and transition then into the autumn season and maybe look at what we think is going to happen all right so heading into the autumn season um you know we're kind of waiting for rosters to lock right now uh, do you have any bold predictions about what might happen with this autumn season? Any teams you're looking forward to? And maybe, you know, the top, I mean, obviously there's eight teams, but the top, your, your list from one to eight. Well, something that's super interesting for Vainglory going into autumn is that because Cloud9 won both the spring and the summer championships, I believe, and I'd have to double check on this, but I'm pretty sure the world's ticket from spring has now gone to a global wildcard. 
So instead of four total teams from Europe and North America, it's now only three guaranteed. And that's going to come down to the winner of the autumn season, whoever the highest placed team is that does not already have a world's ticket. So whoever's the highest other than cloud nine should get that uh, world's ticket from autumn. Now, again, I'm not hundred percent sure on these. These are just kind of things that um, I've, I've read. I'd have to look further into and see what the exact decision is, but I'm pretty sure it's a global wild card. So this autumn season is going to be incredibly, incredibly competitive for a lot of the teams who are at the top. So for example, TSM obviously right now does not have a uh, world spot locked in. They have been the number one seed going into both spring and into summer. Uh, unfortunately, they were dropped in the semifinals for both of those actual live events. So obviously, uh, you know, Flash and them are going to be looking to secure a world spot. So I'm sure we'll see TSM practicing twice as hard coming back, looking for uh, looking for their success here. And then um, I think Immortals and Nova both put up a incredibly huge performance uh, yeah. over the weekend. Uh, obviously, Nova, this kind of lesser known on, you know, team that nobody really expected to come up from the challengers and really do incredibly well. Um, and I think I think over the course of the Vainglory 8, they did have good performances. Um, you know, they were kind of up and down, you know, one game, they would look like they could be one of the best game, uh, best teams. The next game, they might look like they're on the lower half of the uh, VGA. And I think they have a enormous amount of skill on the team. I think they're all very mechanically sound players. And that really showed when it came through to the championship is when they came together on stage, it looked like that a team Nova, you know, I was saying that we, you know, we might see a Nova that looks great. We might see a Nova that looks a little bit on the sloppier side when they came to the unified championships and they were sitting together, they looked like an a team every single game. I mean, they even, uh, you know, really gave cloud nine a run for their money in several of the games that they played, um, who cloud nine obviously went on to win the whole thing. So I think Nova really needs to be proud of themselves for how well they ended up doing. Obviously they did lock in that third seed. They did really well in the last week of the Vainglory eight. Uh, they were able to get six points. So they, they moved up the, uh, lineup. We're able to knock both immortals and hammers down. So, uh, you know, I definitely think that last week, the Vainglory 8 going into live, they're going to be a team to look out for. Um, I also mentioned Immortals. You know, they took down TSM, a team that has been the number one seed for so long. It did go all the way to a game five. But, um, yeah. you know, it they looked nice and clean. Uh, their rotations were were amazing. Zio obviously still has that live buff. Um, you know, there were some times in the season where it may have looked like, okay, maybe Zio's not at the top of the laner spectrum anymore. But when it came down to the game's live, that live buff definitely kicked in. Zio was literally outplaying, I think, pretty much every captain uh, as far as, or I mean, every uh, every laner as far as the teams go. Um, I think when their games came to Cloud9, though, I think Cloud9, since they've just been together longer, they were able to, you know, pick better fights, get better rotations just because their comfort with playing with each other. Versus the Immortals roster has been together for a season now. Yeah. So um, I'm super excited to see how Immortals goes into Autumn. I think they have a lot of talent potential. I think Max Green came absolutely out of nowhere. Um, you know, he looked like, you know, your your regular Vainglory 8 captain. And uh, it seemed like over just a matter of a couple weekends, he, you know, 
is now all the way up at the top. I mean, he's gotten so much more mechanically fine-tuned. Uh, his rotations are better. Uh, I, I really just think Immortals is going to to be a huge team to watch, maybe even uh, contesting that world spot with TSM. We saw them obviously take down TSM that last week of the Vainglory 8, as well as in the five-game series of the finals. So I think, uh, think Immortals, Cloud9, and TSM will probably be at the very top. And I think uh, I think Hammers and Nova will probably be the next two underneath that. So uh, I don't I don't want to commit too much to a full eight lineup here, but um, I think those are probably the the top three, and then the next two after that, as far as where the skill goes. Um, but I really don't want to count out Gangstars either. Obviously, Lulu coming onto the roster, Xenotech. You know, he's had huge performances when he can get on those really good comfort picks of him. Um, so I don't want to count Gangstars out. I'm just a little bit worried about um, how much time it's going to take them to rebuild up that synergy because Lulu and Zeno have played together before with some varying success. Um, Mac Daddy obviously filling in the shoes of Wrecked, and then the late, a um, little bit later on, we had obviously Veins come in and now uh, filling in their shoes. That's not an easy task to fill. So. Um, you know, they could come out huge or they could uh, struggle getting the synergy down. Yeah, well, that's that's uh, it's going to be pretty interesting how Autumn ends up. A lot of new teams. We're still waiting. I'm so excited to hear the rest of all the news about all the team lock. Hammers is a team that we do know, though. So I'm excited about Chicken being back. Chicken was someone I always like to watch. Uh, sad that... Right, is Archaic still around? Is this... I don't know if this is... is no, he's not, right? Status. I... Yeah, the Hammers roster was announced already. That is going to be uh, status starting all over Chicken. And then we also have Poli as a sub. And uh, just actually the other day, I think they uh, we confirmed that Eliminate is going to be a sub for them as well. So, um, you know, definitely a, a powerhouse roster. We know starting all over can be that huge playmaker. Um, you know, Hammers wasn't looking very good throughout the regular season, but there were some key games where starting all over was able to find, you know, a, a 1v3 off the back of a bad fight, turn the game around. Status has, uh, you know, really always been somebody in the competitive scene with some varying success on different teams. I think most notably, we have to mention, he did win the first live championship for North America back on Liberation X, yeah. as well as then when we made it into Worlds, uh, he was on Gangstars at the time, and they did take the number three three spot I, I do believe it was either number three or number four but i'm pretty sure number three um so obviously somebody who has the potential to compete at the top so uh pretty excited to see how he performs on the roster and then like you mentioned chicken is pretty exciting to watch uh, obviously going to be coming in in that captain position so it's going to be just interesting to see how they how they end up working out together yeah, all right. So lastly, I want to pick your brain about the new hero that was teased at uh, the Summer Live. It is Churnwalker. Uh, you want to do a little prediction about where you think he may belong based off of that video or what kind of abilities he may have? So when I was at the event and the uh, hero teaser came out, uh, I think a large majority of the people there were like, oh, this is going to be a crystal jungle assassin. You know, he looks... You know, just looks the part. And he does. He looks like a very aggressive kind of play style. But I think breaking down some of the important details of the actual hero teaser, uh, it did look like there is either some sort of stealth mechanic um, or even potentially a vision limiting me mechanic. So uh, when the, um, you know, the spectator 
uh, camera there was in the bush, you know, running away. Uh, you know, we had that kind of like rippling vision effect. So I, I think there's definitely either stealth or some kind of uh, additional fog of war in, in his kit, as well as it did appear that he may have either a root, um, a root or some kind of tether or a stun in uh, maybe like a chain attack. It, it kind of looked like from the actual um, from the actual footage. So I think just with that kind of utility in his kit, it does make more sense for him to be a probably captain. Um, I don't want to rule out that it could still be a jungle assassin that just does have utility in his kit um, or even potentially a laner. I don't know what his range is going to be. Obviously, we don't know what his actual kit is. But based off of just little details of what were in the teaser, I'm going to lock in my answer as he's going to be a a true support yeah i mean you you say true support because you know a lot of times vanglory or scmc release a hero and then the players are like well we liked your idea but we're gonna go ahead and make this hero <laughs> actually this position so well think about jungle lance when he came out i mean right? his yeah. his kit does have utility in it but it also has a lot of offense in it and i just I feel that Churnwalker, based on the video, is going to be very, very, very heavily in utility. So to me, it makes sense that he's going to be a captain. But like you said, uh, sometimes the players have different ideas. And that's one of the coolest things about Vainglory is you can take a hero out of the position they're intended to. And in the right scenario, it may work. We've seen Carrie Catherine's in the past. We've seen... Uh, obviously Adagio has always been one that's been flexible, you know, weapon, crystal, captain, jungle, uh, lane. Um, that's something that's been always super unique to me is just because a hero says they are one particular role does not mean that is the only play style you can have. I mean, Fortress has even had some lane presence. I think I remember Big Dog running that at one point into uh, lane sky when sky in the lane was huge and uh, the wolves, you know, obviously they interrupt that forward barrage, make it real easy uh, with the movement speed for your team to get in. So, I mean, fortress, someone who I think actually came out as a jungler uh, we've seen in all three positions as well. And I think primarily people look at him as a captain now, just because he is like kind of that engager can be tanky when you use his ultimate, obviously getting that additional health in his, uh, in his pocket is nice. So that's, that's something that Vainglory has always impressed me with is just the flexibility of their heroes in the game. Yeah, for sure. So, all right, let's go ahead and end this episode then. How about you go ahead and tell the listeners where they're going to be able to listen to you cast. You're going to be, what kind of leagues you're going to be doing for autumn season. Well, for autumn, I will be doing um, some casts on Vainglory eight on the weekends, as well as I will very likely be doing uh, this league, the actual challenger series. Um, I haven't got a schedule yet for that. So I, I don't know how much I'm going to be casting, but, uh, I will be doing both at some point. Um, as well as I believe the Halcyon elite has a tournament coming up. And, uh, I think me and Dowsy both will be returning for round two of that. So, um, you know, those guys have put a lot of time and effort into improving from the first time around, which, you know, I don't think it was, I don't think it was bad, but, uh, you know, I, I talked to the guys thereafter and, uh, they definitely were, you know, quick about accepting feedback and, you know, noticed some things that they need to do better the second time around. So I think they're going to have a amazing broadcasting tournament coming up to their, uh, their number two tournament here. So yeah, that, that's uh, exciting to see. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've, I've talked with a lot with the guys from Halcyon Elite, uh, maybe not so much coming up to the Unified Championships because I was just so busy. But um, yeah, awesome guys. And uh, I expect some pretty big things out of them. All right. Well, we're excited for the season. We're excited to hear you casting. Good luck this season. And uh, thanks so much yeah. for coming on to record this with us. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. And, you know, maybe uh, maybe we'll meet again sometime. Hopefully. Sounds good. Thanks for tuning in to Time for Rolling. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review on iTunes or Google Play Music and subscribe for weekly episodes. Follow us on Twitter at Time for Rolling and at TFR underscore esports. Until next week for another edition of Time for Rolling. Time for rolling.